Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, welcome everybody to the Doctrine Matters Podcast. I hope all of you are doing well. I know it's been a while, maybe a a week or so, a little over a week since we've done an episode, but we are back here doing an episode, and this episode, I want to start looking into some questions and answers that people have asked me, church members specifically have asked me. We actually do a question and answers class on uh, for our Wednesday night Bible study. We have um, a couple different classes that go on uh, where we take a deeper dive into the Word of God. I think that's where we really get our theological training for our people. Uh, there's only so much depth you can go. There's only so much. You can only go so deep, uh, is what I'm trying to say, from the pulpit on a Sunday morning with uh, with a congregation that's really kind of all over the place. you got some really deep thinkers and really deep in the theology, and you got others that don't even really understand theology and, and uh, simply the study of God, you know, and uh, so you have to kind of wade into the waters with them a little bit when it comes to this deep theological truth that we find in Scripture. And uh, so you kind of got all everybody in between those aspects on a Sunday morning out in your congregation, so it's hard to really just dive head first unless you're in one of those churches that uh, where the, everybody is, is, is really theologically sound. So there's a, a healthy balance that must be struck from the pulpit. But uh, for us on Wednesday evenings, it's the it's time for us to get deep into the Word of God, for us to get deep into theology and, and really wrestle through books of the Bible for some things. And uh, I know that we are going to take a, a hard, deep look at the fruit of the Spirit coming up over the next several weeks, but for me in my class that I lead, we have a question and answers class, and there are many people in in churches that you might not even think have some of the greatest questions. Some of the questions um, range from really, really deep to very practical, but one thing I've found out that there are people that are in our churches that genuinely have questions that they'd love to have answered and to talk about, and that's what we do. We talk about them and and uh, really lay it out, and it helps our people learn, helps them take a, a deeper walk into their faith, a deeper dive into the Word, and especially that deeper dive into theology. So it's been really good for us as we have done this, and uh, I, I'm excited about it, but I wanted to kind of bring some of these questions and answers here onto the podcast because, as I mentioned, some of them are very practical, like the one we're going to talk about on this episode, and some of them are, are very deep. For instance, one uh, just this past Wednesday was, why did God allow polygamy? And uh, really talking through that, and was polygamy a sin, and was uh, is it a sin now in the new covenant? And we really spent a, a good solid hour really diving deep into the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New, looking at polygamy. That was much more um, much more deep than the question we're going to talk about on this episode, but nevertheless, it was one of those that really made you think, even after I have a position, and I am firm on my position uh, in as far as polygamy, whether it was a sin or not, we'll, uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you wait it out to see when we answer that question, to see if you and I would line up together on our thoughts about polygamy, but 
Nevertheless, uh, this first question uh, is one that I think we all need to know as believers. And for many of us that listen, uh, many of you that listen, I should say, uh, this is probably going to be a a back-to-the-basics type of question and answer, but that's okay. I was watching R.C. Sproul uh, teach at um, Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church, when he was still alive, and and uh, his title of his sermon was Back to the Basics, and he was just going back to teach the gospel, and sometimes he said it's it's good for us to go back to the basics. So this is going to be one of those questions that uh, you're, you're going to hear the question, and you're going to be like, well, I'm, I'm, I might as well just turn this off because I, I know how to do this, and I, I understand the question, I know the answer. And uh, but I want to encourage you to hang in there. Let's. Uh, we always need reminders. We always need refreshing. We always need to be reminded of ourselves because, quite frankly, some things we can forget. How easily sometimes we forget we need to hear the gospel every day. The gospel is something that the most seasoned Christian needs to be reminded of and hear daily. We should preach the gospel to ourselves. We should read the gospel in the word. We should see how Christ is exalted. So we need to be reminded and refreshed of, of, of things as we move about our Christian life. And this question came to me, and um, I was kind of not really struck by it, but it, it was one of those things that kind of kind of hit me, and I was like, man, this is something that we all need to be aware of as believers because, as I said, sometimes we can get into our Christian life and and totally forget about it and totally overlook it because we can get in our bubbles, our Christian bubbles, and, and, and really not pay attention to others. So the question is, how are we supposed to treat unbelievers? And what does it mean to treat a professing believer as an unbeliever. So we're going to tackle those two questions. Those are very interesting questions. One, very practical, but we need to be reminded of is how we are supposed to treat unbelievers. And the other one, I believe, is it's asked as what does it mean to treat a professing believer as an unbeliever? So I think that we have to dive into a little bit of church discipline there and really get into the nuts and bolts of what that looks like in a very briefly and very practical way. So first of all, let's tackle the question of how we as Christians are supposed to treat unbelievers. And I think one of the one of the greatest passages for me, very practical passage in all of Scripture. It's very simple to understand. It's very simple to see. It's very uh, challenging for us to be able to look in this and, and really take away from what God is saying in His Word and put this into action as believers. But Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, really give us a great picture of how to treat unbelievers. Now listen, many of you probably would go all over the word to teach how to uh, handle and, and, and treat unbelievers, but I love this passage. First, let me just read it, and then we'll kind of go back and unpack it briefly. This is Paul speaking in Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 5. It says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, that is very practical, but let's think about this. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. These these would be unbelievers. These are going to be the people that we're talking about here, but it says walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Now, there is a, a, a wisdom that is worldly, 
which is really foolishness, and then there is a wisdom that is biblical. So only, I believe, true wisdom comes from God. True wisdom is biblical. Wisdom of the world is actually foolish. So it is for us as believers to use this godly wisdom that we have been given as we read the scriptures and understand the scriptures, as we take in this knowledge of the scriptures, we put this knowledge we put it into practice. That is what wisdom is. We use our knowledge wisely. We're able to uh, take what we hear, what we know, what we understand, and put forth this beautiful design by God in obedience to him and his word. So we are supposed to be wise when we're dealing with unbelievers. What does Paul go on to say? making the best use of the time. Now, we can get caught up in many heated debates with unbelievers. We can get caught up in, and, and, and there's a time and a place for debates. Don't get me wrong. I think there's, uh, you can look at some of the great debaters. I think of James White, for for instance, that has debated many atheists and, and, and many others on different topics. I think there's a time and a place for debates, but the Bible really teaches us here to Make the best use of the time. We have little time on this earth. James tells us. James tells us that our life is a vapor, a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. So we don't know when that will be over for us. And we are only here a short time. So when we are with unbelievers, when we are talking with unbelievers, the best use of our time is going to be teaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Paul says in Romans. So if we're making the best use of our time, we should be teaching and proclaiming the gospel to every unbeliever that we come around. We can talk about football, we can talk about basketball, we can talk about hunting, we can talk about shopping, we can talk about uh, all the latest things you've seen on Pinterest, whatever the case may be, but ultimately the best use of our time is going to be to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in hopes that God would save the people that we are talking to. So they can be saved, and I, I praise God for this, that that God is going to save his church, his people, but he uses us as the means to do so. He has given us this command in the Great Commission that we should go out and make disciples, and part of that making disciples is the proclamation of the gospel. So God uses the church, he uses believers to be able to go out, open their mouths, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the good news is we don't have to save them. We can't save them. We can't give them the gift of faith. We have to pray that God would save them and do the work. Um, but we have to be obedient and opening our mouths, and the best use of our time is going to be preaching the gospel. And if we love unbelievers, we will want to see them repent of their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should want to preach the gospel to them or proclaim or teach or share the gospel with them, however you want to word that. But that is the best use of the time because time is short. The clock is ticking. Verse 6 moves in, and this is one that I've had to be uh, reminded of several times, and both with uh, believers and unbelievers alike, because it's very easy for us to get caught up in the things of life and our speech not be seasoned with salt or grace. It says, let your speech always be gracious, 
seasoned with salt so you may know how to answer each person. We should be gentle and loving and kind to unbelievers. Everything that we say to them must be, I think, soft-spoken and love and care for them. Now, that doesn't mean that we give them a pass or condone their sin or, or in some way let them feel comfortable in their sin, but we confront their sin with the gospel of Jesus Christ out of love and hopes that God would save them. But everything we say to them and around them, our speech should be seasoned with grace and salt. It is very important that we don't go around unbelievers with a foul mouth, telling dirty jokes, doing all these types of things that God commands us not to do in his word, but we should have a gracious speech when we are around unbelievers. It's that gracious speech that's going to lead to the proclamation of the gospel. It's very hard to be cursing one minute and then try to proclaim and, and pronounce the God and, and, and uh, share the gospel the next. And, and somebody's just going to look at you like you're crazy. Now, we've all probably been there at some point of our lives, whether we were a uh, uh, brand new Christian or maybe just in sin. I don't know what the case may be, but many, many of you have probably been there. I've heard story after story countless times where, you know, we were doing this and then all of a sudden we started talking about Jesus. But we need to be ready to love unbelievers, to care for unbelievers, and, and make sure you don't hear me say condone their sin or allow them to continue in it in the church, but we love the unbeliever. We season our speech with grace. We are gracious with them. We can't expect an unbeliever to act like a believer, so we have to show some grace there and be loving and caring and kind, and we must make the best use of the time, and that is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, because there is a world that is watching believers, and I believe that we must be obedient to the scriptures and make the best use of time and be kind and, and nice and not arrogant, not puffed up and not mean or angry to unbelievers, but showing we care for them by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that's just two verses out of 66 books of the Bible that we've looked at that I think is really practical for us to, rem to remind us that we just have to be kind and preach the gospel from a compassionate heart, not from uh, a begrudging heart, because we, quote-unquote, have to be obedient to the Word, but we should want to be obedient to God's Word and want to see people saved and want to be kind and gentle and nice with others, not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but our unbelieving friends and family as well. So take those just few practical verses in dealing with unbelievers as you move forward, and I hope you just uh, refreshed and reminded of, of, of to, how to do that and, and why we should do that, because we are called and commanded by God to do so. Now, the second question to this was, and what does it mean to treat a professing believer as an unbeliever? And for that, I can't help but think about, as I mentioned already, church discipline. And we see a formula for church discipline in the book of Matthew. Now, first let me just say this. I, church discipline sounds bad because every time we hear the word discipline, our minds immediately go to the negative side of this. But let me just be clear that church discipline should be practiced in every single Protestant church. And a, a result of that should be to see repentance and restoration. Not to kick a man or a woman while they're down, 
not to shine a light on their sin for all to see and, and just to laugh at, make fun of, and, and put on a huge spectacle. But the goal of church discipline is to bring to repentance and restoration those that are caught in sin. Uh, many churches have done this poorly. They have not handled it well. They have kicked someone while they're down. They have been really mean to others. They've kicked them out of churches in the name of, quote-unquote, church discipline. But church discipline is all about repentance and restoration, and we see this formula given to us by Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. You can go read on your own, but I'll save us some time here. But Jesus tells us, that if your brother sins against you, if there's someone in sin, if there's someone in unrepentant sin, then go to that person. Go to that person one-on-one, call them to repentance lovingly, not rude, not uh, very angrily, but do it lovingly. Call them to repentance because you want to see them restored to God and a relationships, uh, horizontal, earthly relationships restored if need be. But you want to go to that person one-on-one and declare to them the fault that you see, the sin that you see, and call them to repentance and restoration and lovingly do so. And if they don't listen, Jesus says, take two or three witnesses back with you again after some time to help those people come together to call that person to repentance because they love them, not because they hate them or they're mad at them or they're upset with them, because they love them and want to see them repent and relationships be restored. So if the person doesn't listen then after taking two or three witnesses with you, then you bring it before the church, and then the church should be um, constantly, man, repent, 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 repent. We love you. Restoration, repent, restoration. And then after some time, if the person doesn't even listen to the church, you must bring it now back before the church, and then we are to treat the person as an outsider. So the question what does it mean to treat a professing believer as an unbeliever? So what does it mean to treat a professing believer as an outsider or an unbeliever, as the Bible teaches? We are to, for all of our, our, our topic here tonight, our thoughts, we should treat them as an unbeliever, even if they're a professing believer, because they are in this unrepentant, unconfessed sin, and they are not repenting, even after having the whole church uh, just plead with them to repent of their sin. So we treat them like an unbeliever. So I I was sharpened on this uh, probably a year, maybe a year and a half ago by a brother in Christ that my view was kick them out of the church altogether. Excommunication, they're not allowed to come back. But if we want an unbeliever to hear the gospel, we should want unbelievers to come into our churches, although they're not technically members of the church. Uh, If there's an unbeliever anywhere in this town or city that we live in, we should want them to come through our doors, and we should be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ every single Sunday. So my my initial view was to kick them out of the church altogether, have nothing to do with them, but I was sharpened on this, and I think that, well, I know my position has changed, and I think what this means is we treat this person like an unbeliever, even if they're a professing believer, but because there's no repentance and, and, and the sin is unconfessed and ongoing, We assume they are not believers, so we teach them the gospel. We go back to treating them like unbelievers, as we just talked about, letting our our speech be seasoned with grace, making the best use of time, being wise, proclaiming the gospel to them constantly in all things. So that is where I'm at now. They're allowed to come into the church. They're allowed to 
um, listen to the sermon. They are not allowed to hold any leadership positions, teaching positions, music team positions. They are not allowed to partake of communion. The elders will guard the table because we're treating them as an unbeliever. Therefore, they are not a member of that church, and we don't think that they are regenerate. So we would guard the table there when it comes to the Lord's Supper or communion. But that constantly preaching the gospel, kindness, care, love, but not condoning sin, but really just treating them as an unbeliever, even if they profess to be a believer, again, by being wise, making the best use of time, being kind, being loving, letting our speech be seasoned with grace. So to see somebody that's professing to be a Christian but having to treat them as an unbeliever, we have to understand church discipline, and that was a really quick rundown of church discipline. So either way, regardless of whether it's, um, whether it's an unbeliever or a believer or our enemies, anytime that we speak to these people, whether it be through emails, text messages, phone calls, face-to-face, we should be wise. We should be kind. We should be loving, compassionate. We should proclaim the gospel to our even our enemies. We should let our speech be, be gracious. So all across the board, we should treat each other like this. And even if you're a believer, you still need to hear the gospel on a daily basis. So the Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 could go for anybody and everybody. Whoever we come in contact with, we should be able to use that quote-unquote formula for dealing with people, but especially to unbelievers and how we treat them and how we treat professing believers who are caught up in unrepentant, unconfessed sin that has gone through the process of church discipline. Now we treat them as an unbeliever, again, preaching the gospel, being kind, being loving, compassionate, but also guarding the church, guarding the flock, and especially the table when it comes to communion. So I hope this was of some help to you. I hope it was a refresher. I know it's kind of some basic things, but uh, I think it's important that as people ask questions that we answer them as church leaders. So I, I, I hope that as uh, some more episodes come out, I will ask I will ask and answer some of the questions that I have been given and we have answered on a Wednesday evening Bible study. So if you have any questions of your own, feel free to email them to Doctrine Matters Podcast at gmail.com. Any questions you have about the Bible, about God, about Christ, about church, uh, about relationships within the church, send those questions to me and I will answer them on an episode. So, again, that's Doctrine Matters Podcast, all lowercase, at gmail.com. I'd love to take your questions, love to answer them, love to help you out in any way, but look forward to more of these question and answer type episodes coming forward because I think they're important. I think they're good reminders for us all, no matter where we fall on the theological scale uh, about how deep we are or how seasoned we are as a believer and what all we know. Uh, I think it's always good to sometimes come back to the basics and it's always good to stretch our thinking. So we're going to have a little bit of uh, the basic question and answers. We're going to have some questions and answers that stretch your thinking and we'll have everything in between so stay tuned for the next episode and uh, we'll see what our next question is going to be and again if you've got questions uh, the bible has answers and i will try to answer them here on the podcast doctrine matters podcast at gmail.com until next time have a great day and god bless